Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. If you're looking for extra horsepower in your bet, there's only one place to get set, and that's Top Sport. And with Top Sport's new Same Race Multi, you'll see the odds skyrocket by combining your selections in a single bet. Multiply your excitement in the same race on thoroughbreds, greyhounds and harness racing. Download the app today for a faster, easier betting experience. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Gamble responsibly. Hello, legend. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Legend, how are you? Just for you, a massive pot of your head. What an awesome time of year. Great win in the cricket, great origin game, and a huge weekend of footy too. On this episode, great man, we've got 12 different player interviews for you with some current stars and some from the past, all of them talking exclusively with Unfiltered for you to enjoy. There'll be some footy chats, some laughs, maybe some swearing as well. I'm sure you'll forgive us because there's nothing, nothing quite like the Rugby League Superpod. You've been warned. Got the great man Thomas Flegler from the Brisbane Broncos on the potty this week. A really quick one, mate. As a kid growing up in Tully in North Queensland, who were your footy heroes and why? Um, well, I sort of, I always looked, like I was just saying, I always looked up to um, Corey Parker. It was either Broncos or Queensland being up in, up there. Everyone supported Bronx, uh, sorry, Broncos or Cowboys. Yep. So, um. Yeah, my team was the Broncos, and uh, I loved watching him during State of Origin. So, yeah, that, that's who my hero was. It, so, in in Tully, was was most everyone your mates and whatnot Cowboys supporters because they were the closest. Major- pretty much, yeah, yeah. Either you hated the Bronx and loved the Cows, or vice versa. So, yeah, it was it was good fun. Did you get out to one uh, three hundred Smile Stadium a few times to watch any live footy? Yeah, we were pretty lucky. Mum and Dad took us down a few times, so that was a um, pretty good stadium to uh, go watch footy until the new one was built. Beauty, mate. Thanks for stopping by. Want the ultimate unfiltered message for your mates? I'll say anything you want. Ripping heads off and shitting down necks all day long. Find me on Swish at swish.com. This is the Rugby League Superpod. I love me a story, so I'm going to hit up our next guest, who's a funny little fella, to see if he's got a story about one of his best mates, who's also a funny little fella, James Seguiaro. What's your best, what's your go-to Corey Norman story? Well, well one that we can tell. Oh, there's been so many. Um, he's just a, walking, um, just a walking highlights package of yep. just absolute rubbish, really. <laughs> Normie, but um, I'll tell you the first first one. Uh, one of the one of my one of my fond fond one before we um before me and Corey moved in together, he lived at Top Ride, which is you know suburb in um, Sydney, and um he he knew he was moving out that weekend on the Saturday, so he asked me, oh can you can you come help me? I, I'm about to move out on a Sunday, um can you come just give us a quick hand? And he was moving into my joint, so I was like, oh yeah, sweet. Rocked up to, to rocked up to his place uh, just after brekkie. Went up to his went up to his room, and I've gone walking in his room, and I've just gone open the door, and there's nothing packed. There's nothing packed. There's still dishes in the sink. There's still clothes in the like, in laundry. There's and I'm like, mate, haven't you moved? I'm like, what's where, why haven't you packed anything? And he goes, oh no, it'll take five seconds. Like take it'll take about five minutes, mate. We're there. For Saturday, the whole of Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. 
Oh, and it was just like no care in the world. It was just like, and then obviously waste our Saturday, Sunday, just moving, moving all this stuff into mind. But it was just, it was. I should have should have known back then. It was a red flag. Yeah, straight away. Uh, straight away. So. This is the rugby league super pod, and it's time for Clarkie's call. Dane from Clarkie's RL column, the kings of social media. They are all over Facebook, all over Instagram. He makes a call every week. We're after your debate, your opinions. We're after your take on Clarkie's call. Clarkie, what have you gone with this week, legend? Yeah, g'day, Andy. And listeners, off the back of the uh, top 10 fullbacks from the NL era, I wanted to back it up with the 5'8". So from the top 1 to 10 this week, we've gone with Darren Lockyer, Brad Fittler, Laurie Daly, Cliff Lyons, Cameron Munster, Benji Marshall, James Maloney, Kevin Walters, Jack Whiten, and Luke Keary at number 10. You know, it's a great list, Andy, when uh, someone like Luke Keary, who's got a Clive Churchill medal and three premierships, comes in at 10th. Yeah, a cracking list of uh, of potential number sixes. Now, this is of the NRL era. Just looking through Facebook and looking through Instagram, if you're going to start an argument, it's better reading the facts first. Anthony Ross has come up with a beauty. He says that's a very controversial list. Not a manly fan by a long shot, but Cliffy should be further up to continue to play at that level at his age and winning comps is an amazing achievement. Personally, I would have Freddie over Lockie, but I guess that's more of a state bias thing on both our parts. Yeah, it is. You know, I will say that the Lockie versus Freddie and then, of course, uh, JT and Johns very much does come down to which state you support. This one here is on Instagram. This one's from Nicholas Gale. He says, Whiten is an interesting call, considering he's never led a team to a premiership Mm. or played representative level wearing the six. And I think that's a great point, Andy. I had to include Jack Whiten, though, because he's in that rare breed where he's one of those players that has a Clive Churchill medal and a Dalian medal, which is really, really rare. You see both. It is. uh, Another little tip for everyone. When someone's expressing an opinion, the term got to or should should never be heard. That's just a little tip, kids, because it is all opinion-based. Benji Marshall, GOAT 5'8", best in the world. Now, there was a little bit of debate about Benji and his position on the list at number six. Yeah, that was certainly dominated. And to be clear as well, let me get this one of the way. Jonathan Thurston was the other one that a lot of people said, where is he? I'll include him on the halfbacks, of course. Um, yeah, Elliot Dominey on Instagram, just one of many that says, no way Cameron Munster is better than Benji Marshall. I do wonder with Benji, and keep in mind, I'm moldy myself, so I you know, really love Benji, but I, I just think that people tend to remember a lot of the good times more so than the bad, and he did have some lean years there oh, yeah. um, at the Dragons and the Broncos. There was Cameron Munster's, he, he's won the Origins by himself where he shouldn't have won mm. it. Um, he's won the World Cups for Australia. He's won the Premierships of Storm. I just think he's done a little bit more consistently in his career over Benji. Jimmy Saab says Trent Barrett definitely in the top 10, last of the original five eights. Trent, along with uh, Braith and Astra and also Anthony Mundine, got a little bit of support in terms of probably the back end of that 10. I love this one too, and I'm, I'm just thinking now, Andy, how, how could I leave someone like this off the list? But I, I just couldn't quite find room for him. Caden Renowski on Instagram says, Michael Morgan deserves a shout, and I love that. That's a guy that won uh, – well, he won Dalian position of the year at halfback, but as a 5'8", we know what he's capable of in a grand final with that famous last-minute play. Yeah, on Instagram, Jimmy Spargo said, I'd have Michael Morgan over Luke Keary. It's all opinion. Uh, Zane O'Lone says, no Trent Barrett, no Kieran Foran, no James Maloney. Uh, yeah, check. All three have done more than Jack Whiten and I think are better than Luke Keary. Also, if Whiten is there, then Walker should 100% be there. Um, some really good debate back and forth. Matthew Tackett said, Kieran Foran won a premiership. Yeah, he's uh, he's probably out of my list. Uh, he's, he's out of Clarkie's list as well, but an, another good uh, debate point. Yeah, and the other one that I've got to throw forward that was very popular in the comment section was uh, Jamie Soward. I've got to admit, Jamie Soward didn't factor too much into my considerations with this list. He's there. He's there about. Definitely a top 20 player, but I, I couldn't find room for Soward in the top 10, though his kicking game was one of the best we've ever seen from a 5'8", that's for sure. Damien Heaton says Cliff Lyons with four, uh, four question marks. He was never a fullback. Laugh my ass off. Once again, guys, make sure you read 
properly. We're going to leave it there. I reckon that's a cracking list, Clarky, and I don't agree on this top 10 and the order of the top 10. That's the beauty of it. We are never going to agree on anything or everything. Awesome top 10 list. Make sure you check out Clarky's RL column all over Facebook, all over Instagram. The Dream Team episodes are next level. You can listen to them anytime because they don't date, and I reckon you disagree with all of them. It's the ultimate argument starter. Who's in your Dream Team? You can pick any player from any era, any team, and then combine them. You're the coach. Here's a couple of positional choices from some of the game's best. Let's start with 2010 Premiership winner, Jamie Sowie. Always interested because you played six and seven throughout your career. Always interested to see who you select in your position. Yeah, it's it's funny because you could put JT and Joey against each other. But I'm going to have them in the halves together. Yeah, I'm going to have Jonathan Thurston at six. The, the amazing job he did for Queensland all those years. Plus, yeah, just one of the greatest of all time. And, and Joey at seven, big games. Yeah, both those guys. You, you're not missing a short side there. Can you have two dominant players in a side like Jonathan or and Andrew together, or does it get confusing? Can it be too much? Uh, you're going to need a smart number nine, and I reckon I've got one of those, so I think you'll be able to distribute the ball. Up next, it's former Bulldog and Mariner, but better known as Storm 5'8", and I reckon he'd be on a million plus in 2023. This guy, here's Scotty Hill. <sighs> one bloke I played with. Um, it was only for a couple of years, but um, I still think he's the best front row I've ever seen, and that's Big Lazo. Um, you know, just did the job. Very rarely do you ever see that bloke get put on his back. Um, 100%. He's, you know, his ability to, to get the, a quick play of the ball, you know, um, and also his ability to play minutes. Yeah, big man for that size. Very big man, but would play long minutes, you know. And that that in itself is mm. something that you know you've got to you've got to give credit to any front rower. Um, and I couldn't go past the great Arthur Beaton. Yeah, as the other number eight or just front the, rower. Just the highlights we've seen of yes. the man. Just astonishing. Yeah, that a bloke that size could do what he did. Yeah. Mm. Um, again, someone that could influence a game. Yeah, you know. Um, you know, if you're going to be put in a position, if you can uh, be the best of what you do and, and actually influence a, the other 13 around you, that, that puts me in my, in my – puts you in my team, that's for sure. I have known Lazo since I started working in 1990. I worked with him for a number of years on Fox. There's two Glenn Lazaruses. There's the big grumpy one that's on show, but behind closed doors there is a really soft, engaging – Absolute sweetheart of a bloke. You would have seen both sides. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, first six months at Melbourne Storm, mate, I got the cranky one. That's yeah, sure. I bet you did. It was all about, you know, earning respect. And, yeah. You know, he'd done the work. I hadn't done anything, you mm. know, as a 20-year-old. It's intimidating because he's a big fella. Yeah, he is. And, and he he makes he pushes his points and makes himself, yeah. um, you know, makes his points come across. Um, but, you know, and, and then – you know, as you do that, you earn your stripes with people, and that's what I—I I guess I miss that. Yep. I miss that about the game now. I don't. There's something that I—I I think the game lacks. The younger players don't earn their stripes like they used to. I agree. You know, when you—I I remember playing my debut at Canterbury at the Dogs. I was <laughs> Terry Lamb, and you know, these yeah. sorts of Darren Britt and these guys were my seniors, and I just put my head down and didn't say much. I just. Worked hard. There was and also guys in reserve grade that had played 150 first grade correct. games that would also kick your ass and pull you into line. Correct, correct. Yeah. And uh, you know, uh, that's that's something that I think the game lacks a little yep. bit at, at some clubs. Other clubs still are pretty strong with that. Yeah, senior players they they hold their strength and they hold their their accountability to be to be able to uh, dictate terms a bit with the younger players. Um, but yeah, that was. Yeah, it was really something about Lazo. 
yeah, yeah, you had to earn it with him. Mm. Um, but once you did, you know, you know, we we have great times. We go back and have old boys, and yeah. you know, that sort of. We all have a laugh, and we have a bit of a we have a dig at him about how cranky he used to be. Yeah. But um, no, he's a good man. Do I need to ask who the hooker is? <laughs> no, you don't have to ask that, mate. It's pretty yeah. pretty plain and simple. I think he'll be the next immortal. Um, yeah. Um, if not the next, he'll be there eventually. Yeah. Um, Could you yeah. see something special in Cameron Smith at a younger age? Oh, straight away. Yep. Well, it wasn't it wasn't anything special. It was just the thing. It was his ability just to not be phased by anything. <laughs> yeah. In any way. Like it, things got tough. He just he just dug his teeth in and just did the work. Didn't mm. complain. Just got it done. And he's done that his whole career. Mm. You know, nothing phases him and. You know, people talk to me about uh, emotional intelligence. Yeah, and a lot of people don't know exactly what that is. It's it's well, it's the ability to stay focused at the task, no matter the circumstances around you, irrespective of what else is bouncing whatever's around. Whatever's going around, mm. and there's never been someone on the field, off the field, mm. um, to ever be better than him at it. Um, that is a Terrific call and analogy. I think when it stood out to me the most when he was only in his early stages of a leader was when they lost their points. Yep. And his ability to handle media. Yeah. Um, and never ever be phased by that. Mm. Never blame anyone. Never push the point or never, you know, make excuses in mm. any way, but also represent his club and his players around him. Yep. No one better that I that I've ever seen, um, and that was early in his career. Yeah, you know, and then for what he's done previously, like what mm. he's done, how he led those uh, those bloody Queensland Origin sides, Test sides, bastard, <laughs> a, as well as premierships. Yeah, you know. But the greatest thing about Cameron Smith is his personality hasn't changed. He's still that. Yeah, you're that right. Pretty calm sort of bloke that's from Logan. That, yep. Um, that never positions himself above or or below anyone ever, Great. and um, that in itself is a quality that you know is hard to find in in someone that's carry the, I guess the accolades and the success that he has. Plenty of episodes of Dream Team with some of the biggest names in footy, some cracking lists and explanations as well. Check the back catalogue of episodes and rip in. You can listen to any of our episodes or interviews at any time, even the early ones. Go back to episode one because none of them ever date, ever. Here's a bit of rugby league royalty for you. A guy many of that era say was the toughest of the tough, the legendary Malcolm Reilly. It does, and Tommy Bishop was one of the guys. Yep. I mean, Tommy Tommy was a great little player and a mischievous one too, he, he, he he sort of started a fair fair few blues and uh, made sure he was out of the way when when the action took place. But uh, <laughs> the halfbacks <laughs> he, he are good at devil. that. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Cliffy was a heck of a player. I mean, I toured with Cliff, and I, I knew. In fact, at one stage in that that particular game, I can remember there was a blue on it, and like there must have been half a dozen or seven or eight players about to fight and. I turned around and grabbed the first person. It was Cliff Watson, and he grabbed me, and we looked at each other and turned away and grabbed somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> we'd, we'd, we'd just come back off tour together, and we were the best of friends. Uh, and, you know, we both knew we didn't want to do what we were, <laughs> we were aiming at the time. It's still talked about to this day. It's 49 years later, and it's often said it was the – Toughest, most aggressive, perhaps most violent game in history, that grand final. Is that accurate? Yeah. I, I don't think it was, a, it didn't, did the sport any good at all. Uh, it was very, very aggressive, over the top, in fact. Uh, just a one off thing, but it, it, um, it was over aggressive. <laughs> Uh, but what do you do when you're in the, the cold room like that? Yeah. You just react. You were the target for the Sharks. I think it may have been Ronnie Turner that got you late. He did some damage. And the story goes that Coach Ron Willie knew you couldn't last the game because you were injured. 
So your instructions yeah. were very simply, go out and get as many of them as you can as quickly as you can. <laughs> well, I was a bit dirty about what had happened anyway because I, I got the knees on, on the pelvis um, by Ronnie Turner. Uh, and I, I, I knew I, I wouldn't last, I couldn't, because I could hardly walk, never mm. mind run. And so, you know, he did send me out with intentions. I don't want to discuss them, really. Yeah. Uh, but to do as much damage as I possibly, possibly could. But, you know, the game's changed now, and I'm really pleased about that because it used to be brutal yeah. in those days. And, yeah. and here's another guy that's joined us on the podcast, Danny Baderas, a little bit from his Legend Series interview two years back. Mate, it's fair to say while some of the names we mentioned earlier get enormous raps, the backbone and core of the Newcastle Knights, guys like Steve Crow, guys like Bill Peden, Paul Marquette, Adam Muir, tough, no frills, no bullshit type of guys. You're speaking about balance and um, everyone sees the balance on the field, but a big part of it is the balance in the personalities. And you can throw Matty Parsons into that one. Big Parso was a a real um, jovial, good guy that always played so well uh, every week and he's just a down-to-earth country guy. Um, Steve Simpson, just – Another one. Yeah, another one that's just uncompromising. Yep. Um, so we did have a, a good balance of personalities there. So, But the two guys, as you spoke about, Paul Maquette and Bill Pete, and when mm. I was training pre-season or training anything from a physical point of view, I'd always just try and get up near them and stay, stay with they them. They were the benchmark? They were the benchmark. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd, you'd, you wouldn't just go around a hat for Paul Marquette. You'd go a metre around it or you wouldn't just do a chin-up. You'd do a, a chest-up, you know. Yep. It's, it's just everything was above and beyond. And and, and then you'd, behind that you'd see Billy trying to do the same as him and then behind uh, those two you'd see probably someone like myself and, and yeah. Kurt Gidley and all these guys try to try to do the same as those guys. So uh, I'm understood, standing in the hooker position, you had to be a, a good defender, but you had to be fit as yeah. well. So you had to be able to... Um, to, to do everything at a high speed. So I had to challenge myself to be as fit as I could. You're now in football administration, and it's also 25 years on from what we're just talking about, but does that still apply? You're, or Of course, you're looking for wonderful on-field combinations, but you're looking for a combination of different personal characteristics that complement and make up a dressing room. You can't have too many of the loose guys. You can't have too many serious guys. You've got to have a really subtle mix of both. Oh, absolutely. you still got to have it. And you see some of those guys, you know, you look at Melbourne at the, at the moment yep. and, and you look at uh, Cameron Munster and, and Brandon Smith, those two guys, you go, look at their personalities, look what they got. Victor Radley, you know, three guys I just love watching because they just put it all on the line. Yeah. You know, they put it all on the line every game, every minute, yeah. come get me. So you need those sort of characters in your team and to have success. And yep. Uh, it does go into recruitment. There's no doubt about that. What you need are uh, personalities and on and off field. It's it's, it's a it's a big part of it. But um, yeah, I don't think it's changed. I think it's become even more important. Yeah. Any episode, any time. Download the lot of them legends. We've got you covered. Here's a short interview with Tyson Frizzell. 14 State of Origins for our guest debuting back in 2016. Tyson Frizzell, what do you remember about your first game in blue? Uh, first thing I can remember is is getting a, a, a late call up. To be honest, yeah. um, Wade Graham was was named to play in the side, and uh, he was suspended. I think probably the day before he was going to go into camp, and yep, um, he had to wait for the judiciary to happen, and then um, yeah, end up he ended up getting yeah, suspended, and then I got the late call up, and then come into the side. So um, it happened pretty quickly, but I remember getting the phone call and um, from Laurie and then telling my parents and and then going into camp. And the first thing I remember is um, running out uh, onto the field at, at Suncorp and mm. um, just having a big smile on my face, just running out there and thinking how good this is. Like, yeah, this opportunity doesn't, doesn't come very often and this could be my last game ever, you know what I mean? Like, um, Wade was named in the side. He could probably be back next week yeah. and continue um, his career. But, um, yeah, so I just remember going out there, enjoying every moment and especially remembering that five minutes that I got before the start of the game to be out there and enjoying the crowd was probably a, a special moment. Um, 
I can remember. And the rest of the game is pretty much a blur. Um, yeah. But that five minutes before the game was was very um, memorable. Mate, we always hear about how much faster it is. No doubt about that. Is it actually more physical as well? Oh, I think everything is just a lot more harder. So yeah, uh, yeah, you could probably say it's a lot more physical, but but definitely, yeah, it it is a lot more faster and and it is physical. I think guys are a lot more athletic. I'm not saying that back in the day it wasn't, but you just see everyone is in top nick shape. Um, yeah, and, and the way it probably the game's kind of gone everyone sort of leaned up a little bit more and it is a lot quicker like they said they brought the smaller guy into the game and and even the smaller guys aren't so little anymore they're mm. usually jacked up and they might yep. be short but they're they're very they're very built so um yeah i guess you can say that the physical side is probably um maybe dipped a little bit but 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 not so much under fatigue any kind of t- contact is is very is very hard you would have grown up watching the great origins with one-on-one stinks and brawls, but we're not allowed to do that now. We've got to be, we've got to be good kids. Just once in a New South Wales jersey, would it be nice to start throwing them just like the good old days? Because you're living your childhood dream. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think yeah, you can say yeah, sort of mess that up for, for everyone. Yes. But, um, I guess you saw a little bit of it. In game, I think it was game two with Payne and um, yeah, Tino. Yeah, and Tino. So, oh mate, I've never been much of a fighter. I, I love the physical, um, you know, side side of the game, and um, I do thrive on that. But in terms of emotion, and um, I guess I've learned to have no emotion, kind of thing. Yeah. Within within a game, and just get the job done and, and do what you need to do and. I guess if it was to ever happen, uh, you'd let it happen. I wouldn't go. Be, I wouldn't be going chasing for it. You never know. Um, you know, I wouldn't want to. I'd, I'd rather not be on highlights for the wrong reason. Let's just say that in origin, I'd rather be in there for doing something good. And um, yeah, I don't know how taking chances in um, in a stink in, a, in an origin. Uh, great answer. Thanks for the chat, mate. Talk soon. Bye, Jarvis. We love our awesome sponsors, Oxworks. Check them out, oxworks.com.au. Got a really cool guest on this episode of the podcast. First time on the podcast. Played 62 games for the Melbourne Storm between 2010 and 2015. And Matt Duffy, you're back down there in a very different role at the moment, mate. What are you doing with yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me, Andy. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm actually I'm doing the academy coaching down here. So we've started a new academy um, down here at Melbourne Storm. And uh, when Frank Panisi called me up sort of last year, I was still playing rugby in Japan and sort of tossed up this idea and this opportunity. Um, yeah, I just, <laughs> I just decided to retire and do this. So. <laughs> I probably still felt like I had a bit, a bit more left in me, but, you know, when you sit back and go, you know, I've had a pretty good career and, you know, and not many blokes get to step out straight into something that, you know, I know, well, I'd have thought at the time, you know, it would be enjoyable. And at such a good club with good pe- people, I was, you know, it's a bit of a no-brainer really. It was an emotional one, but um, I'm I'm bloody happy I did it. Because it's, um, yeah. I bet you're happy. And you mentioned good club, good people. Uh, and I've known Craig Bellamy since the the early 90s. Um, he's an intense dude, but his loyalty, his honesty is remarkable. Hasn't changed in all the years I've known him. And what a great mentor for a young bloke like yourself to to learn off and, and get your grounding in the, in the coaching space. Yeah, for sure. And that was part of the reason, you know, like, um, you when you decided to sort of, it wasn't sort of a role that I've just fallen into, and I'm like, oh, I don't really know if I, if I want to be a coach. Mm. You know, when I took this role, it's like, well, now I'm on the pathway, you know, to become a coach, and this was the first step. And under the sort of guidance of Craig, um, and probably the the best thing about it is just sort of seeing how he operates, sort of when the players aren't around. You know what yeah. I mean? In those conversations. He had 
and then how he boxes that up and then delivers to the players, like, you know, because there's a bit of craft involved with sort of messaging and you can't just sort of sometimes, um, you know, we, we all see him up in the box and, and what he does, but it's it's vastly different when he gets down to the tunnel, you know, d- down into the sheds at halftime or, you know, um, in a meeting room. So it's cool to see that, see the, the difference in that and, um and yeah, it's been, he's been really good, along with the other coaches, Ryan Hinchcliffe, Mark Brentnell, Aaron Bellamy and Todd Larry. So, yeah, they've been great. We did a Legend Series interview with Craig Bellamy, one of the early episodes on the podcast, and he said what he was actually quite proud of was the fact that he was able, in the walk from the coach's box down to the dressing room, be able to formulate his plan of attack, the way he was going to address everyone, and he was able to take the frustration and the emotion out of it in that two or three minute period because we, as you said, we see him in the coach's box and he goes bananas. But by the time he's got face to face with the players at halftime or full time, he's a very different guy. It's it's very calculated. Definitely, definitely. I think and that comes with experience, you know, like even from with myself, like I haven't I haven't coached a team yet. You know, so I don't know that exact thing, but it's even with conversations with players individually, you know, if they've come out and sort of maybe not had the greatest training session or something, it's, you know, if you go into it too emotional and, mm. you know, and sort of you um, you don't really sort of portray what you're actually trying to say and, and how that player gets better. And, and from a team perspective, like, as a player, when you sit in the chain, uh, the tunnel or the change rooms at halftime, you want a clear message and a clear plan going forward. And if it's just sort of yelling and screaming, you kind of go out of there, you're a little bit more rattled than, say, you know, then calm, all right, this is what we're doing next and stuff like that. So there's definitely still, you know, at times there's still harsh words, but yep. um, it's all, again, it's all well thought out and through experience, you know, and, and it's just something you can't can't buy that, that that sort of experience. So there's no textbook out there that teach you that. <laughs> no, no, you're exactly right. Mate, let's go back to your career. Uh, 2010 to 2015, desperately unlucky across a range of injuries. What a cool time to be debuting and playing with the Melbourne Storm because in that side there was, there was actually a couple of blokes that went all right, I think we could say. What were they like back then? Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was so fortunate. I think I got to the club when Billy Slater was 26, you know, and so you would say, well, at the time you're thinking, oh, it's the prime of his career, but mm-hmm. <laughs> he actually he actually got better and better and better. Um, <clears throat> so that was, um, when I reflect on that, you just go how lucky I was to come through at that point. Um, and obviously with Cooper and, and Cameron, um, I spent a lot, of t- a lot more time with Billy but I also played on the right edge with Cooper, so I spent a lot of time with Cooper and obviously Cam was, was the captain. So, um, yeah, they all had a, a big impact on my career and probably if I didn't have that sort of guidance that those people around me early on, I probably wouldn't have, you know, had the career. I probably wouldn't even be sitting here right now, you know what I mean, because they, it's, it's the way the club operates. We shape, you know, young men or into the good people and good players and then they go on to have good careers and then, you know, a lot of, it's funny, a lot of sort of, you see it with the Canberra of um, that era, there's a lot of coaches and, and now you're seeing sort of a lot of storm coaches of that, oh, storm coach players of that era become coaches. So it's interesting how that works out, you know, so um, very, very fortunate um, and also had a, Young Greg Inglis as well in the team. It was <laughs> it was obviously um, just uh, so damaging. Yeah, so I was, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, you, you, at the time I was pretty excited, but you know, even thinking about now, I'm thinking far out. Got to play with you know a lot of goats. Question, what's the greatest sound in the world? But what's better than cracking a coldie? Cracking half a dozen. This is Six Pack of Superstars revealing our top six. 
Our next guest, I think he'd fancy a sneaky six-pack, so I don't think we've had one together. So this is our first. The Rabbitohs' Damien Cook has lobbed, and his six-pack is the six players he'd like to have said that he played with but hasn't. Gee, it sounds really easy. It's not. Fire away, mate. Who have you got? Hey, mate. Yeah, look, it really isn't easy, is it? So, um, you know, heaps of players um, and trying to just get six is is quite hard. So, And one, uh, which is probably breaking the rules of your six-pack six I haven't played with, but Greg Ingles, I feel like I didn't get enough time with him. Um, he had a couple of injuries. Uh, I still put Greg up there as one of the best players ever play the game. Um, you know, so... Uh, wish wish his uh, his body held up a little bit more, yeah. and we could have uh, played to get together a, a lot more uh, because I you know, it was it was outstanding. Just he was a big part of the uh, reason I went to South Sydney as well. Uh, the next one, obviously, would be a, a club legend at South Sydney. That'd be Bob McCarthy. Um, yeah, I've got to know Bob over the last. Uh, you know, a few years since I've been here, he's a, he's a great bloke, and just hearing um, you know stories, you know, from Mark Ellison and other other ex players at the club, how passionate he was, and and uh, and how good of a player he was as well. So I would have loved to have run out alongside him and have him looking after me out in the field there. Um, who else have got? Oh, I've probably got two in the halves. I think you know Jonathan Thurston and Andrew Johns being um, you know two of the best halves we'll ever see uh, play the game. Um, you know, I got to play against Thurston, which was um, which was pretty cool. I, I tried to see if I could just tackle him as many times as I can when we played him, just so I was always getting a hand on him, I guess. So, um, and I still remember ringing my brother after the game after we played him in eighteen, and after and we're walking off field, and he just said, "Oh, congrats, Cookie! All the best of Origin." And I was just um, I was wrapped that he called me Cookie, I guess. So. <laughs> So I was, I was pretty starstruck at the time, and um, that was uh, still remember, yeah ringing my brother straight after the game to tell him. So um, Andrew Johns, we've uh, obviously had a little bit to do with him in Origin camp, which has been great. Uh, but you know, I was a Knights fan growing up as well, so uh, he was a big part of that. Big reason why I was following the Knights. So and obviously we know how good he is. Um, yeah, you know, ugly, arguably one of the best players in the game um, as well. So uh, would have been great to run out alongside him. Uh, is that that's five, isn't it? Yeah, we got we got four there, but you you loved your four. Newcastle Knights, didn't you, as a young bloke? Oh, poor Harrigan. Yeah, um, I think still watching the '97 Grand Final brings back memories when he was just trying to take everyone out. Um, you know, as well to come up against Spud Carroll um, and taking Jeff Tuvey's head off all the time. I think <laughs> that, um, he was just imagine having him on your team, and he was probably similar like Sam Burgess, just put fear in people's eyes. So um, it would have been good to. To pack in the scrum with, with Paul Harrigan, uh, the, the final one is actually my uncle who played uh, a bit of steals, but probably more known for Balmain when he was there. Uh, Peter Phillips. Uh, I think I just would have liked to have run outside uh, alongside my uncle playing some footy. Would have been really good. It would have been a nice uh, little highlight. Uh, you know, obviously, growing up wanting to be an NRL player and knowing that he'd been in that uh, arena and, and made it. Uh, yeah, he was a big, big inspiration to me and someone that I always uh, look up to and someone I still talk to a lot of the time uh, after games. Really good man, Pete Phillips. I, I knew him back in the day when I was just starting out and he was at the top of his game and a, a wonderful bloke off the field. But that's a hell of a six. Greg Inglis, Bob McCarthy, Jonathan Thurston, Andrew Johns, the Chief Paul Harrigan and Uncle Peter Phillips. You've passed the test here, mate. Enjoy your six-pack. Cheers, mate. Thank you. You too. Having a bet on sport or racing this week? Top this. With literally hundreds of markets from your own backyard to the international stage, Top Sport has you covered. Whether you're into soccer, cricket, basketball, or want to try your hand on the horses, harness, or even greyhounds, there's something for everyone. And they'll let you on for plenty. So if you want to get the top odds every time, download the app today and bet your way. Top that. Visit topsport.com.au. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Gamble responsibly. So Origin 2 is done. What a nervous weekend uh, for the bookmakers and for us as well. Who plays, who doesn't play, it affects absolutely everything. Tristan Merlihan, the CEO from Top Sport, has joined us. A game like the Dragons-Warriors that we're kicking off with, uh, if there's no Ben Hunt, everything changes. You guys nervous this round? Yeah, this game's always the the toughest one to price up. Obviously, we had the big game there during the week, and now it's from our end as our traders trying to get as much information as possible to work out where we price the games, and obviously everyone keeping an eye on team lists. But 
the NRL has been really good in recent times where it's, you know, really, really transparent in who's in and who's not. So that has helped things out. Years ago, it used to be a nightmare, but uh, certainly is a tricky weekend of price from our end. Mate, I don't want to get into too many of the prices for this weekend because it could be off-putting depending on who does, who doesn't back up. Uh, but Dolphins, Eels, are the support levels for these two sides um, completely changed over the last month? Are people falling off the Dolphins and falling in love with the Eels? Yeah, they are. The, the Dolphins, obviously, were the um, you know the, the the upset story of the start of the season. And to be fair, the punters were never really on the Dolphins' side. Okay. And we had a couple of really good results when the... Um, when the Dolphins did get the upsets and uh, now that the punters have stayed away from the Dolphins or the big punters, should I say, and uh, that's caused us a little bit of angst when there's been some blowouts on some of these games in recent recent times. The Eels, on the other hand, have been pretty well supported all year, actually. Even though they started the season pretty well, they were competitive in a lot of those games and the punters were all over them at the plus against those good sides. So the Eels have been one of the sides the punters have really enjoyed uh, being with and uh, see no difference in that this weekend. The North Queensland Cowboys, another one of those sides that are starting to hit form after a disappointing start to the year. Currently on top sport, they're at $31 for the Premiership. Um, you got to written your own ticket eight weeks ago. Are they generating much respect and much interest in the markets? Yeah, well, they were $67 oh. in May, and last week, just last week, they were $41. So, um, yeah, they, they, they've firmed up a little bit into that 31 and Probably the we haven't laid too much of the premiership side of things, but the top eight betting has been where there's been some action. They were out to seven dollars to make the eight only three weeks ago. They're into three dollars forty now. So certainly a team with momentum. There's a real logjam for those teams uh, in that sort of six to eighth range. Like you've got the Bronx, the Panthers, Souths, and Melbourne, which are all under a dollar oh five. So yeah. they're all going to be there. Cronulla at the dollar fifteen mark. You'd think they're probably going to be there, and then you've got. You know, three sides remaining between the Eels at 145, the Warriors 150, Canberra 158, the Chooks, despite obviously going really poorly there, they've, they've got, um, you know, we know they can come good there, $1.95. And then you've got some teams there at the bigger prices that I certainly don't think are out of the picture. Yeah. Cowboys 340, Manly 360. We saw what they did at the start of the year. Obviously, their middle part of the year gets disrupted with Origin. The Dolphins at 375. And just keep an eye, I might be a little bit biased, but the Titans sitting there, they're ranging between five fifty to seven dollars in the marketplace, and you know there's obviously a few stories going around about maybe Ben Hunt coming up this way, and they, they've at their best football they've challenged a lot of lot of teams, yeah. and and I think they make the finals more than one in six or seven from the position they're in with a really really good run home. So it's going to add, uh, make for a really exciting uh, run home to the end of the season, and obviously uh, how teams get through this Origin period is going to be crucial as well. If you agree with Top Sport and, and their assessment, that is your market. If you disagree, hey, jump on over to miss the top eight because this is for you. Uh, we're looking at the Gold Coast Titans, $1.07 to miss the eight. The Dolphins, $1.26, all the way down to, I guess, $2.70 for the Parramatta Eels, $2.50 for the Warriors. So, Punters can take their pick. They either agree with you or disagree with you, but you've got a market for both. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the most topical uh, team in this discussion is the Roosters because they're oh, 182 yeah. to miss, 195 to make. And I think everyone's got a very, very different opinion on whether they're going to come good or whether they're, uh, their season's on the brink. So I-, I think whichever way you want to go, you can jump on either side of that and it's close to pick them. And, uh, and-, and-, and I think there's going to be so many differing opinions on that market. Get your crystal ball out, legends. Have a look at the next month. Have a look at the next two months of footy. Do your maths and uh, see if you can come up with a winner or two. Topsport.com.au. It's a wonderful website. It's an even better app. Download the Top Sport app and you'll be treated better than Wally Lewis at a Mount Isa Steakhouse. This is the part of the podcast where we've put you in charge. You're asking the questions. Our superstars are giving their answers. Look out. Let's start with this little legend, Ash Taylor. Mate, just on that, a question for me. Are you a goal setter in terms of short-term goals, long-term goals, or do you just let it sort of sort itself out? Um, I could say either way because, you know, I do I do have long-term goals, but I also have short-term goals. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I I like to have both. Um, 
and it sort of keeps you on your toes a bit and keeps you, you know, being honest with yourself um, within your daily routines. Love it. Mark Andrews asks, did you ever think your time in the NRL was done and, and maybe, Ash, you'd have to go to the UK? Yeah, it was all options were open. Um, yeah. You know, as soon as I got told by the Titans after the last game that I wasn't going to be around at the club, um, it was sort of stuck in the mud for a bit. Um, you know, having meetings here and there with all different clubs and, you know, um, obviously talking with overseas as well just to give, give myself another option. But, um, yeah, I just wasn't too sure. I was sort of about the crossroads, you could say that. Yeah. Um, I knew I was, uh, um, was you know, was going to keep playing rugby league. It was just a matter of where I was going to be at. So, um, you know, happy it's still in Queensland and I'm um, close to my family. And it's time to hit up Will Hopawati. This is from the Gold Coast and Crusher. Is there one game that stands out above all the others that you consider your career highlight? It's hard to go past the uh, – probably two. It's hard to go past – um, 2011 premiership um, that I was lucky enough to be a part of in the in the manly team. Um, so that definitely is a highlight, something that you know I always remember. And uh, also a couple of years ago, representing Tonga and in beating the Kangaroos. Um, they're probably two games that you know stand above the rest for me. If I think of highlights, Tonga versus the Kangaroos. I mean, Kangaroos fans were actually cheering Tonga that day. What an amazing experience. What an amazing game to be part of, mate. Yeah, I still, you know, sometimes uh, pinch myself when uh, I think about it. Um, you know, not to, not in a, in a, in a bragging way, just uh, really, uh, uh, what's the word? Just grateful I was able to, you know, be a part of a team to accomplish such a, a huge achievement um, in International Rugby League. Aussie footy shorts, footy shorts with pockets. Hear that? Footy shorts with pockets. Get into them, legends. They're the grouse. Footy-shorts.com.au The answers for the last two weeks' social media giveaways have been mad. Every fortnight, we're giving away a pair of Aussie footy shorts. You've got to be following both us and Aussie footy shorts on Insta or Facey to be in with a chance of winning. We're doing a mullet 13, best players with mullets or players with best mullets, whichever way you want to term it. We've done the backs. We're starting with the forwards next week. Keep your eye on our socials and you could win a pair of Aussie footy shorts. Footy shorts with fucking pockets. Aussie footy shorts. Footy shorts with pockets. Hear that? Footy shorts with pockets. Get into them, legends. They're the grouse. Shorts for any occasion. Footy-shorts.com.au to take you back to 2019-2020. Our guest was doing his thing for the Parramatta Eels in ball and flag. He also captained the first 15 at Kings in what was, I think, and I'll check with him, but an undefeated season for the school. Will Penasini joins us. Was it undefeated? But why league, not union now? Um, yeah, I did. Um, throughout my school years, I uh, played a bit of uh, both. I would play league during the start of that year and then would follow on straight into that union season um yes our last year of school was um an undefeated season for kings and um, obviously played um rugby league and rugby unions throughout my whole school life starting from probably year five um playing in pwsa but um you know i love both codes and um i think i had that extra love for league because you know that's where i kind of started and um i think there was a better pathway for me after school um you know, going straight into an NRL um, preseason straight after school, I couldn't say no to that. So, yeah, um, you know, that's a big part of um, why I chose league. And uh, you know, I had a couple of mates as well through my juniors that um, I grew up with that I was doing it. So, and I was doing it just by myself. Under sixteens, under eighteens, I think it was for New South Wales. What type of experience was that? Playing for your state, but playing with the elite guys. Yeah, it was great actually. Um, when I first got chosen in that under sixteens. We were fortunate enough to win that game at Suncorp, and you know that was a great experience for me. And then growing up, growing older, um, you know I wanted to do it again for the under 18s, and um, you know lucky enough I was chosen to play that uh, under 18 state of origin. But um, we ended up losing, and I ended up doing my synesthesis in that game as well. So um, yeah, it was a tough night for us in that night, but uh, no, it was a great experience playing at Suncorp before the uh, 
think it might have been the second Origin game. Who were the standouts in those age groups that you played with? The, the ones as kids that you just knew were going to be superstars? Yeah, I think there was a couple. We had a, um, I played up an age in, in Howard Max and, and SG Ball and the people that were killing it was you know, Bradman Best and, and Josh Schuster. Yep. Um, they were killing it throughout the younger, younger years. Uh, you had also those little oil boys like Bud and, and Junior and stuff as well coming through. So, you know, there was very, there was a couple of very talented, um, you know, young uh, youngsters coming through those grades. But uh, Josh Huster and, and Bradman Best, they were, um, they were very big boys back then as well, and um, you know they were doing their thing as well. So that was with the stand-up players and those um, junior league reps. Appreciate your time and the chat, Will. Good luck on the weekend, legend. Thank you very much, Andy. Thank you for having me. If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, we'd love for you to go to Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. And if being polite doesn't work, maybe bribery will. One lucky reviewer wins an unfiltered trucker's hat every week. This week's winner of the unfiltered cap is Dane Coleman from far north Queensland. I think he's up there around Mission Beach. You are a loose, loose unit. You're, in fact, troubled, you poor fucker. But an awesome review on Apple Podcasts wins you the trucker's cap this week. And we're done on another episode of Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the only podcast that talks with the legends and not about them. If you're enjoying the content, tell your mates, tell your Uber driver, the bloke at work, even your in-laws, whoever. Spread the word, legends. Everyone's welcome here. Be staunch and help your old mate out. Throw a five-star rating and review on the app you're listening on. I'm giving out free riskies for that one too. It's time for the weekend. Time to grab a pizza, open a couple of coldies, have a crack on the punt. Don't forget, as always, back pikey in the last. Thank you.